Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, and I have a very intriguing guest with us today, way across the pond over in Scotland. I'm so pleased and so honored to have Danae Shell here, who's going to spend some time with us talking about what does DEIB look like outside of the United States? I'm so excited to have this international perspective, international expert and thought leader. We've had some good times talking about the work that we do, and I look forward to hearing what she has to say, and I hope you do too. So Danae, with that, please introduce yourself to everyone. First of all, thank you so much for having me, Tana. And um, yes, I am Danae. I am the co-founder and the CEO of Vala, which is a technology company where we are helping people get justice when they can't afford to go the traditional lawyer route. Mm. And specifically, we are helping people stand up to employers who are acting illegally. So that often involves discrimination. And then we'll branch out from employers to all kinds of other areas that specifically um, impact on people from historically marginalized backgrounds. That's where we um, have started our work and eventually, you know, we'll just cover everyone. Nice. And I'm interested to hear, because oftentimes when I do training, I say marginalized. People will ask me, well, what does that mean? And I've had people ask me, well, can I be marginalized? So in your work and thinking about it from an international perspective, when you say marginalized, what groups or subgroups or communities are you specifically speaking about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a law in the UK called the Equality Act. And typically when we um, when we talk about marginalized groups, we often kind of start there. Um, so typically when I say historically marginalized, I mean members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, members who aren't white and um, pretty much anybody. Yeah. I actually include all women in that group as well yeah. and um, people with disabilities. Those are the main four groups that um, we really focus on. And there are also some you know, areas of discrimination around things like age and things like that. So very similar to the United States then, right? <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, yes. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Yes. Those are the exact same groups. And the list can go on if we include like religion and nationality and immigration mm -hmm. status, like all of those other factors. And then when you intersect them, it creates different types of sub-communities. Um, so, so thanks for that. And I wish everyone could see what I see because you have a very interesting sign across your shoulder. And the first time we met, I was like, oh my gosh, I want that sign. Where'd you get it from? I have yet <laughs> to find it, but I will look for it. So the sign over Danae's shoulder that everyone can see when they get on video with her because she's letting you know who she is and what she does and who she will not tolerate. And it says, no sexes, no races, no fasces. Talk <laughs> to me about that. Talk to me about that sign. Because <laughs> that is a bold <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this sign. I saw it online. It was actually created by an artist in Glasgow. Um, so Glasgow is a, a very working class city. It's mm -hmm. um, historically been a um, kind of industrial city. And some of the poorest people in the UK live in Glasgow. And it's also one of the most kind of open and um, leftist and kind of open minded cities in the UK because of the intersectionality happening there. And yeah. there is a group called Refuigi, we, um, Glaswegians are called Ouija's, and um, they created this um, sign, um, the artist to, um, to benefit Refuigi. And she created it, it was based on a sign, um, obviously there's signs in America that we all recognize yeah. from the um, Jim Crow era yeah. and things like that, that you know, um, 
not allowed to use this water fountain, that kind of stuff. The equivalent of that in the UK, one of those kinds of evocative signs, and forgive me for using their language, is um, no dogs, no black, no Irish. Wow. That was that was the way that um, all on one side, all on one side. That was well, they put them all together. They put them all together. So that shows you how wow. they um, thought about people. Mm-hmm. And so this sign, it's, um, you know, it's stylized in exactly the same way. It's using the same recreated font and it's, you know, twisting it back and saying, you know, no, these are these are the things that I'm not willing to endure. And I, I keep it as my, you know, in the background of my Zoom because. Yeah. I meet with a lot of people, including investors and including, um, you know, a lot of people that I want to make sure that they understand who they're going into business with. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't want people who don't like that sign to invest in my company. I don't want mm-hmm. them to provide me services. If, if they're not okay with this, then I want to know pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. You're so right. I have a picture of George Floyd over my shoulder and I try to make sure wherever my camera's angled that he's in the picture um, yeah. because not only do I not want people to forget, but it also helps hold me accountable to make certain that we never see something like that again, even though we still have. Um, but when you think about the pivotal moment that it created for us around the world in 2020, I don't know that we will ever, not that I want to experience something like that as a global community. And so to your point, anyone who doesn't want to work with me when they see that I'm perfectly fine with that <laughs> but like you gotta know who I am at the end of the day I'm a black woman so and I'm married to a black man I have a black son like yes George Floyd that's my son that's my husband that's that's my uncle like absolutely they need to know that so thank you for sharing that and I'm, I'm gonna look for that sign or you can send me the link <laughs> I'll support <Well>. them <laughs> so tell us about some of the work that you do because it sounds almost like Um, You know, when I think about like the American Civil Liberties Union here in the U.S. or um, the Legal Defense Fund through the NAACP, uh, some of the work that they do is aligned with what you do, but from a lawyer's perspective. So Mm -hmm. are are there lawyers on your staff or you an attorney or barrister, I guess they call it, if I'm not mistaken, in the U.K.? Um, You know, how does that kind of work with the law? Absolutely. So I'm not a lawyer. Neither of us two co-founders are. We are technologists, uh, but we were also women in tech who, you know, rose rose through the ranks and saw a lot of problems as we kind of got more and more senior. And um, Kate is also a woman of color. And so not only were we often the only woman in the room, but we were she was often the only um, person of color in the room. And so we would have people come to us looking for advice and support. And these same problems kept coming up again and again. And we started experiencing them. And and we just got really pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually how people can move to action when they get angry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anger is an incredible catalyst, isn't it? (laughs) And so we, we just thought, how is this happening that people can't seem to be able to fight back? Why can't they stand up for their rights? Why can't they hold employers to account? my God, it's not just employers, it's landlords, it's, you know, it's, why do people not have access to something as fundamental as justice? Mm -hmm. And it's because lawyers are unaffordable. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can try and solve that problem. And lots of people are solving it in different ways. The tools in our toolbox is technology, software companies, and startups. That's what we have lived and breathed our entire careers. And so we got really curious and thought, okay, well, given that those are our tools, what could we do 
to um, to kind of address this and try and solve this problem. And um, we started thinking about this in terms of another industry that we had worked in, which was accounting. Okay. Which seem, yeah, it doesn't seem like a good analogy, but actually, right. so if you if you cast your mind back to the days before, like QuickBooks and all that kind of stuff, it used to be that you would, you know, get like a Walmart bag full of receipts and you'd yes. like hand it to an accountant and then like, magic would happen and then you get like a big bill and you know a set of books sent back to you and you know you that was it you didn't really understand how it worked everybody couldn't afford it small businesses were kind of trying to do it themselves it wasn't a great you know kind of industry that was me until this year but go ahead (laughs) (laughs) I feel seen Danae I feel seen (laughs) I'm finally high tech with my finances now thanks to my new Well, you'll you'll understand this transition perfectly then, because what online accounting software gave people was the locus of control shifted to them. They suddenly owned their finances. Mm -hmm. They owned their books. They were able, because of technology, to kind of make choices and do a lot of that stuff themselves. And they could still get an accountant to help them. But the accountant actually did accounting. They They weren't doing bookkeeping. They weren't doing like receipt stapling and all that kind of stuff. I feel seen. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. And, I'm sorry. <laughs> totally, yeah. And Kate and I had worked in this accounting company and and had watched online accounting and been a part of online accounting changing that industry. And then we looked at law and we thought, well, this is the same thing that needs to happen here. Mm. People need to be able to control their own cases. They need to understand the own their own issues. The law isn't inaccessible the law right. isn't possible to understand it's just nobody's actually taken the time to sit down and explain it to a layperson in a way that means that they can you know interact with it like an accounting software mm-hmm. and so that's what we've done we've um, made it so that you can manage your own case you can collect your own evidence we've got templates that you can buy to generate all of your own documents you can manage it all yourself and if you have the money And if you want to get extra support on top, then you can share it with a legal professional, with a tribunal coach, all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, that's, um, and we're still an early stage company. A lot of the coaching and things like that is um, delivered by us internally. And I have lots of employment law knowledge now. I bet. (laughs) And then we'll keep growing and growing from there so that, you know, other lawyers and people like that can deliver the services. But to answer your original question, yes, we have legal support and legal kind of knowledge in-house and then a bunch of technology knowledge as well. Wow. I think that's a genius idea. And, And when we first met, I was so impressed with what you do and how you do make it accessible for um, you know, a frontline, what we would call a frontline employee, um, who oftentimes will go to HR and they hit a roadblock because either they're not believed or they're not respected or valued enough, or they're considered disposable. Oh, if they don't like it. They'll just quit and we'll find someone else, right? And start all over mm-hmm. again. And so I'm glad to know that there's an, a company that's, that's focused in that particular area. Now, here's my next question. Are you available to work with people in the United States yet? <laughs> I wish because I'm I'm actually American although my accent doesn't um, sound that way it sure doesn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I'm I am from Tennessee and um what (laughs) and I I yeah I I really um have lost the accent now but um but I would love um that's definitely on the cards so the idea is let's understand and validate and get all the kinks worked out in the UK first and then let's see um 
the US is the very next place I'd like to go because I am aware that, you know, well, the problems. Oh, we're are- a hot mess over here. We're a dumpster fire. <laughs> I, I, I'm unfortunately, I think the UK is really trying to catch up. Oh, no, I hope not. Tell them we're not to be idled. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Learn from us. Don't repeat what we're doing. <laughs> I know it's awful. <laughs> yep, it is. And I, I tell my clients all the time, because much like you, I've become so familiar with employment law after being in HR for over 30 years. And I tell him, I said, look, I know enough about employment law to keep you out of trouble, but I can't defend you in court. Like I can't go into court and litigate on your behalf, but I yeah. can tee you up with an attorney. So that way a lot of the heavy lifting is done. And I have a lot of friends and family members who encounter issues in the workplace that will reach out to me because they know I've had so many years of experience in HR and they want some, some quote unquote, I guess you could say legal guidance to say, hey, this is what happened. Is this legal? What should I do? Or, you know, I'm keeping all these emails and I want to speak to an employment attorney or I've been fired and I want to know if it was legal, you know, those types of things. So again, I think that is a huge gap for those individual employees or individual contributors that don't have access to a lawyer, maybe not have the finances for it and ultimately still have a valid case against their employer. And it doesn't just mean, oh, I just have to quit and start somewhere else, right? Yeah. The average... The average settlement over here um, is probably about £4,000. You know, it's about two months salary if you got a mm-hmm. settlement with your employer. But the probably if you went to an employment lawyer and they got you that settlement, it would probably cost you about £5,000. Right. Because over yeah, here, they it, want 33 and a third of whatever they settle for. So. Yeah. yeah, the math just doesn't math. Whereas we... The um, math doesn't math. <laughs> <laughs> whereas I, I think we would cost something like maybe £300, something yeah. like that. So that's that's the reality the we're trying to create for people who don't get paid a lot of money is that it's still worth it. It's still worth pursuing. Yeah. And since our introduction, I guess I should share with you that, oh, no. Oh, no. It's saying my computer's going to start over. Restart. Oh, no. Uh, I might have to end this because it's telling me my computer's going to restart in less than a minute. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> like that's so dramatic of your computer. <laughs> I have no respect. What is going on? <laughs> okay, Danae, I want I want to wrap us. I want to wrap us, but I did want to share since we met. Um, I actually started law school, so we'll have to talk again about that journey. Um, because I'm going to focus on civil rights law. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Incredible. power, power <laughs> to the people. <laughs> that is incredible. So, okay, I'm going to wrap out our podcast up, everyone. Danae, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm so sorry I have to cut us short because of my disrespectful laptop. Apple is doing an update and they did not let me have an option to opt out. Everyone, thank you for being here for another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, and I will see you next time. All right, let me end it before. Okay, I'm going to end it, Danae, okay? Go for it. Okay, (laughs) bye.